Well, hey, good morning, church. Hey, it is wonderful to worship the Lord with you and to open God's word with you today. If I have not had the privilege of meeting you yet, first of all, thanks for coming on a Name Tag Sunday. Uh, but also, uh, my name is Jordan Erickson. It's my great privilege and honor to serve Lakewood as its student ministries director. What I'd love for you to do right now is go ahead and grab a copy of God's word and open up to Psalm 34. Now, if you've been with us through the Psalm series, you will know that we are trying to use the Psalms to answer life's relevant questions. And that makes sense, right? The Psalms are a worship book, a hymn book that helps God's people worship him in the truth of who he is. And Psalm 34 helps us to answer the question, how do I receive God's blessing? But before we dive into the Psalm, what we would be wise to do is to establish some context within how this text was written to help us better understand what Psalm 34 actually means and also to answer our questions about blessing. And just in general, I think it's a good and easy practice for all faithful followers of Christ to seek context when reading God's word so that we can find its proper meaning. So in order to do that, let me go ahead and tell you a story from 1 Samuel 21. The story starts off with David, right? The future king of Israel he is beginning his journey on the run from King Saul. The envious and current king of Israel, Saul, is seeking David's life because he is jealous of the favor that God and the people of Israel have given him. So on the run and needing food, David meets up with a man named Ahimelech, who is a priest. And he says to the priest in 1 Samuel 21, the king, Saul, has charged me with a matter and said, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. Give me five loaves of bread, or whatever is here. And the only bread that Ahimelech has is the bread of the presence. This is a holy bread meant for holy men like the priests to eat. Not only does David take the bread, but he also learns that Goliath, the giant that he slayed, his sword is there, and he takes that too and leaves the temple. Now, I know, like, men, right, do a lot of things for food, but, you know, taking bread and, and taking the sword, right? Let's see what happens next. David is determined to satisfy his wants, right? He's hungry, so he lies to a priest for bread. He's in danger, so he takes the sword of Goliath. He's basically living out a Bon Jovi song, right? My heart is like an open highway. Like Frankie said, I did it my way. I just want to live while I'm alive. It's my life. But listen to the next part. So David runs from the temple. He flees to Gath, which is Goliath's hometown, carrying Goliath's custom sword around. Real, real A-plus move there, right? And David's goal is to hide amongst the Philistines as an anonymous mercenary working for their king. David, in an attempt to do things his own way, has not only lied to a priest in Ahimelech, but he is also now sitting in the midst of a people where he is public enemy number one. And unfortunately for David, he's recognized almost immediately. And he should be toast, right? He is literally nowhere to go. But instead, David begins to act insane, right? It says that his behavior is changed and it disgusts the king so much, he thinks surely this cannot be the man that slayed our champion Goliath. Just look at him. And so the king releases David. He flees to the cave of Adullam where David, barely escaping with his life, having to lower himself to feigning insanity, writes this psalm. Let's go ahead and read it together. 
Psalm 34 of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech so that he drove him out and went away. Verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast to the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions want and suffer, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, O oh children, listen to me. I will teach you to fear the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off their memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones and not one of them will be broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. So here is David, the future king of Israel, slayer of giants, bane of the Philistines, brought so low to be hiding out in a cave, needing to fake insanity to get away from his captors. But what is the first thing that he writes in this psalm? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David craves to bless God. And blessing is more than just praising him. It is our literal effort as his people to try and give some goodness back to God because we love him, right? Because God's been so good to us. And because we love God, we just want to at least give a little something back to him because he's worth it. Amen. And not only does David want to bless the Lord, David wants to invite the humble Lakewood. He wants to invite those who would delight in moving their eyes from themselves and onto the Lord, in joining him to exalt God's name and magnify him. And so this begs the question, what's the blessing? What could be so good that the Lord is worthy to be blessed in a cave? Y'all ever been to a cave before? It's not very fun or interesting, right? And yet here is David blessing the Lord. And the blessing is this. It's being in his presence and having a restored relationship with him. Look at verse 4 with me. It says that David sought the Lord and the Lord delivered him from all his fears. Right now, when you're seeking something, it's usually because what? You, you don't know where it is, right? But when we are talking about a God who is always present, we know where he is, especially as God's people. We know he is always right there. So David, instead of seeking where God is, is seeking the Lord's help. 
He's seeking the Lord's restoration and because he recognizes that only God has the power, the wisdom, and the goodness to rescue him from the Philistines. See, it was David's own effort and ambition that led him into the hands of the Philistines. But when he was willing to leave his ways behind and seek after God, that was when God brought him back into his will and presence. It restored his position and relationship towards God, and he was rescued from the hands of the Philistines who were seeking his life. David knew that the miracle of deliverance and rescue was great, but a restored relationship with God, the miracle worker, is better. So to answer the question of this psalm, how do I receive God's blessing? Just like it says in verses 4 and 7, we seek the Lord and we fear the Lord. It's not complicated, church. If you want to see God's blessing and receive it, seek and fear the Lord. This idea of seeking and fearing, this truth is repeated in 10 out of the 22 verses of this psalm. Because when we seek and fear the Lord, a beautiful cycle happens. See, when we seek and fear the Lord, we are leaving our own efforts, our own motivations, our own ways behind us, and we're looking to the good that God has for us. And when we seek after the better life that God has for us, it brings us back into his good will and presence. God's will and presence, it changes your entire life, and when your life is changed, you do what? Seek and fear the Lord. And verse 5 tells us that there is a notable difference For those who are seeking and fearing the Lord, they radiate something better, the better life that they have found in God's will and presence that does not put them to shame. So how do I receive God's blessing? It is by seeking and fearing the Lord, and consequently, it's also living out that new and better life in him that shows that I'm seeking and fearing him. Which brings us to this cool and exciting discussion about how do we live that out? Right? How do we live the new life of blessing God has for us? Verses 1 through 3 tell us that we seek and fear the Lord by praising him continually and blessing him at all times. Because when you truly know God, when you truly love God, how could you not want to bless him? Right? The miracles are great, but the miracle worker is better. David then firmly declares in verses 4 through 7 that those who seek the Lord will, well, seek the Lord in prayer. In every circumstance, we can pray to God, whether it's seeking wisdom or peace, asking for protection, crying out for help like David does in verse 6. And what's the promise for those who seek and fear the Lord when they pray, for, pray to him? They'll be delivered. They will not be ashamed and they will be under the Lord's protection. Can I ask you a question today? What do you need deliverance from? What are the fears and troubles that you have brought into this building today? Is it a strained relationship? Is it health concerns, putting food on the table, something else entirely? And how are you trying to find deliverance? Is it through your own works, other people, the internet, the bottle? We are entrenched, we are suffocated by a broken culture that motivates us to solve our own problems instead of first running to the one who is able and powerful enough to satisfy and deliver us from all our fears and troubles. When you pray, you will find God's blessing in his presence. He won't fail you. His word declares that all of his promises will come to pass. Church, the miracles are great, but the miracle worker is better. Amen and amen. 
Right, so then we get to verse 8. David makes the proclamation that forms the title of this psalm. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Right, don't take our word for it. Go and see God's goodness for yourself. Right, have you ever eaten something so good that you had to recommend it to everyone? Just me. Y'all know monster cookie ice cream exists, right? It is amazing. Right, but if you have eaten something so good, you recommend it to everyone, maybe you have seen a landscape, a mural, something that is so beautiful that, yes, you take pictures of it, you show them to everybody, but then what's the follow-up statement? You gotta go check it out for yourself. Because we all know that our word is good, but there is something so much better, so much sweeter about experiencing it personally. I can stand up here in this pulpit all day declaring God's goodness, telling you about how awesome the Lord is. But when you seek and fear the Lord, right, when you go see him for yourself, you will experience it personally. You'll taste and see that the Lord is good and that he is worth our blessing him back. And here's the best part, church. Not only can we go taste and see for ourselves that the Lord is good. Look at verses 9 and 10 with me. Right? Those who fear him have no lack. But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Right? Will you read verse 10 with me, please, together? Right? That last part, it says, But those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Right? And just so we're clear, this is not just material blessings. It does say in Philippians 4 that God will provide for your every need. Right, if you are crying out for help because you need to pay the rent or you need to put food on the table, look, God's got you, right? And I will never deny that. And God is also still blessing you, whether you've got a McLaren, a Mustang, or a minivan, amen? Right, culture needs to be reminded of that sometimes. But lacking no good thing extends far beyond the material and praise God for that because God alone can do what cars, houses, boats, drip cannot and that is satisfy the deepest cravings of your soul. To what lengths do we go to satisfy those cravings? Right? What do we do to feel loved? We go to the internet, go to Tinder, settle for harmful relationships. What do we do when we want to feel something? Right? Substance abuse, performing for the affirmation of others, buying things that we can't afford and we certainly don't need. We gossip and we lie to feel relevant. We hurt others to feel in power. We manipulate others to feel in control. But is it ever really good enough? Is it ever really worthwhile to satisfy the cravings of our soul, right? No, because we gain tolerance to our own sin. And then we crave more, right? The things that we use, whatever it is to try and satisfy the desires of our heart, whatever we pretend is a good thing that we need, it won't satisfy you. Only the Lord has the power to do that. Only God can give you the heart that your, or the peace that your heart desires. Only he can truly love you the way that your soul craves. God alone can give you the refuge and the rest that your soul needs when the world wears you down. He can give you every good thing that your soul craves and more because he's the only one powerful enough, the only one wise enough, the only one good enough to give you what you need. And when you seek after the Lord, church, when you fear him, your desires and perceptions of good things change, and you will see that it is certainly true that in God's presence, you lack no good thing. 
So just as we previously said, right, those who seek and fear the Lord should expect to live a transformed life, which is a good life. Verses 11 through 14 make that clear, that if you want to desire life and love many days, this is what it should look like, right? This is how you know somebody is seeking and fearing the Lord. And now in our own personal life, if you want to know who's seeking and fearing the Lord, who's faithfully following Christ, look no further than the fruit of their life. Right, those who've seen the Lord's goodness and are seeking and fearing after him, right, they live differently than the world around them. It's true. They are living a life free from speaking deceit. They're rejecting evil and doing good. They're living a life that seeks peace and pursues it. They seek God for the answers to their own prayers, not to others. Instead of their own solutions, they look to him for satisfaction. Instead of their own good merits or works or, or even cunning, they look to him for protection and deliverance. Right, church, God is so good. Why would we not want to live it out to show others the same thing? And as we live different, as we live righteously, as we seek and fear the Lord, he will have our backs. Verses 15 through 18 declare this truth that suffering, it's a real part of the Christian life. Right, I am looking at a group of saints that probably know that so well. But suffering is not in vain, and suffering is not permanent. Right, the Lord is attentive to the righteous, and he hears the cries of his people. When you're crying out to God for, because a wayward family member, the Lord's eyes and ears are attuned to your call. When you're pleading with God for enough money to buy groceries, the Lord hears you. Or when you are seeking or asking God for a little peace because you have been waging a battle with your own mind for far too long, the Lord is kind and good to deliver you from whatever suffering this life brings you. And not only will he deliver you, right? He will be with you. He is with us in the midst of suffering because his word says right in verse 18, he is near to the brokenhearted and he saves the crushed in spirit. In God's presence, we find the refuge of a compassionate Savior, right, who gives us rest from a weary world, who empathizes with our broken hearts, who is mighty to save and deliver us from all our troubles. Look, we might not experience the freedom of, from suffering in this life, but it is true that those who seek and fear the Lord are blessed with God's goodness and power in the midst of it. No matter what this life brings, church, the safest place to be is in the presence and will of God. And it won't be hard if you're continuing to seek and fear after him because the miracles of rest, deliverance, and answered prayers are good, but the miracle worker is what? Better, yes. It is apparent that the blessing that is afforded to God's presence to the righteous is protection, it's answering prayers. Like it, it, Psalm 434 makes it clear that God is looking out for his people. But in the last two sections of the psalm, David offers a counterpoint for those who do evil, right? The consequences of not just fearing the Lord or not fearing the Lord, but actively working against him, right? God's word promises that he is against those who do evil to cut their memory off from the earth. And in verse 21, that eventually their own evil will destroy them because they will stand condemned under the wrath of God. And I know some of you in this room might be thinking, well, geez, Jordan, that is a real downer. Right here, we're talking about blessing, and then you just got to go and ruin it with condemnation. Look, I get it. 
right? This is not the fun part of truth to talk about, but it is truth for a reason. And in fact, it is necessary for us to talk about it for three reasons. The first being is that God's wrath against those who do evil is the promise that justice is coming, right? I'm sure that many of us at one point have wondered when those who do evil in this world who do evil against us will get theirs. And rest assured that God will have the final word when Christ comes back to make all things new. Secondly, this entire message has been about finding God's blessing by what? Seeking and fearing the Lord, right? David went his own way and found himself in danger. He sought after God and was saved. These are the consequences, y'all, for going your own way, for continuing to believe that you can save yourself by your own good works, for believing that you alone can bring your heart the satisfaction that it needs. And you have the choice today, right? This is not the downer part. This is the great rescue part, right? You have the choice today. You can go your own way and you can bring about your own destruction or you can seek and fear the Lord. You can taste and see God's goodness for yourself and find the life-transforming blessing that he has for you. And third, understanding the gravity and the consequences of sin helps us to appreciate the final section of Psalm 34 far more than if we avoided it altogether. Because the final promise for those who seek and fear the Lord is deliverance and redemption from sin. Where evil will destroy evil, those who seek the Lord do not stand condemned. And like we said before, I don't know what you brought into this building. I don't know what sins, what struggles, what hurt or baggage you are carrying into this place today. I don't know what you've done in your past that makes you feel like you aren't worth the love of God, but I am here to tell you that his grace is sufficient for you that the Lord is able and he will redeem the life of his servants, those who seek and fear him, and they will not be condemned. And the beauty of this redemption, and quite frankly, Psalm 34 as a whole, is that there is blessing and there is greater blessing still. Blessing that has been brought to completion in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. See, David was writing this psalm under the Old Covenant, Right, a covenant where God's people were required to commit regular sacrifices to restore their position back to God's presence and will. A covenant where seeking and fearing the Lord corresponded to your adhering to the Old Testament law. But now there is a new covenant, one that we have access to by faith in the gospel, one where deliverance and redemption is found in Christ Jesus and his work on the cross on our behalf where Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross that he didn't deserve, and he rose again three days later to rescue us from sin and death. And all who believe the truth of this gospel and confess it with their mouths will be saved, where they will stand redeemed before God, just like verse 22 of the psalm promises. And under this new covenant, seeking and fearing the Lord is not a personal endeavor to follow God's law to the letter, it's a natural product of your life being transformed by the gospel. And see, verse 7, right? We are under the protection of the angel of the Lord. We have something better, right? We have the Holy Spirit now, which dwells in every faithful follower of Christ, that Holy Spirit that protects us, that intercedes for us, that guides us towards holiness, 
We're no longer interested in doing things our own way because the cravings of our heart have literally been changed by the mercy and the grace Christ brought to us. And not only does Christ deliver us from sin and death, not only does he ensure that his people, his church, lack no good thing, not only is the presence and power of God continually in every faithful follower of Christ, but the final promise that we always hope on, no matter how bad this life gets, is that he is coming back to deliver us once and for all from a broken world into one where everything will be made new. And the best part is, church, just like David's inviting you to taste and see for yourself, God is inviting you to see his goodness, his redemption, joy, peace, life, all made complete in the gift of Christ and salvation. To taste and personally see how awesome life with him is now and forever. And just like Christ, when he called the first disciples of Luke 5, hey guys, drop your nets, leave your boats, follow me. He's inviting you to do the same now, right? If you're considering Christianity, maybe you've just got some questions. Maybe you are just kind of need to get your life straightened out with Jesus, right? His grace is sufficient for you. He wants you to see and know him personally, just like he knows you. And all you need to do is believe in the gospel, repent of your sins, and confess with your mouth, right? And that free gift of salvation the eternal blessing of God's presence now, forever, and all that comes with it is yours. That's an incredible offer, amen? <laughs> and one that so many of us would love to talk with you about. I would, our pastors and elders would. If you came with somebody, they would love to talk with you about it too. But don't miss it. Don't miss the opportunity to seek and fear the Lord. Don't miss the opportunity to experience God's presence and blessing, protection and deliverance and restoration in your life. You don't need to be a cave dweller like David to see that the Lord is good. Because no matter what you are going through, God is faithful. And he is powerful enough to deliver you from all of it. The miracles are good. Say it with me, church. But the miracle worker is better. Don't take my word for it. Taste and see it for yourself. Let's pray. Lord, how kind you are to not only give us the opportunity to go and see your goodness for ourselves, but Lord, that we have direct access to your goodness because of the work that your son Christ did on our behalf. Lord, that we can taste and see that you are good in more ways than we could ever imagine because you deliver us from our fears and our trials. You are with us in our broken hearts and our suffering. Lord, you transform and satisfy the condition of our hearts. We are so grateful that you first loved us to rescue us from sin and death. And Lord, my great prayer for all of, of the family that is in this room today, Lord, that they would see and know that you are good and that the craving of their heart would be to bless you back because you alone are worth it. And for those who don't know you yet in this room, who haven't personally uh, gotten to call you Savior, Lord, I pray that you would show them today that life with you now and forever is the best decision that they could ever make in their entire life. So Lord, as we close our time uh, worshiping you in song, may we rejoice 
at the blessings that you give us now and the blessing that we have to seek and fear after you all the days of our lives here on earth. It's in your awesome name that we love, praise, and give the glory to. Amen.